You're listening to a Flawless Noises Media Network production. Welcome to Gay Side Stories, where the gay shit goes. I am your host, Curtis. I go about your life on all social media. Thank you so much for joining me for another week. There are so many podcasts out there that you can listen to and you choose to listen to this one. And I am eternally grateful. Speaking of, if you want to support this podcast and its home network, a.k.a. Flawless Noises Media Network, you can do so in two ways. One, go to patreon.com slash flawless noises and sign up. In exchange for a little bit of money, you will be getting a lot of bonus content from myself and other hosts on Flawless Noises. You can also purchase some merchandise to help support this show. Go to FlawlessNoises.com store, pick up a shirt or a tote. And now we're going to get the show started. I am back with a return guest, someone who has been so supportive and just a real friend, a true and confidant, like the Golden Girls could never. Sophia has nothing on her. I have Miss D Asia Ali from the Bad and Boozy podcast joining me once again. Welcome to oh. the Gay Side Streets. Yes, Gay Side Streets. Oh, um, I'm shout out to that introduction. You know, I'm I'm glad I can be supportive i'm doing better with the introductions i'm doing better because usually i just be like such and such is here introduce yourself yeah like, that was all warm and welcoming i'm like i'm like a friend it. of the show i'm over yes, here yes you are you are an ally of the show i think ally is apropos for this show yes yes Any other show so. maybe friend but yeah ally ally, fits I'm on here. It. <laughs> so this show let me say this it's going to be a heavy episode. We are going to be skipping the queer query because we're going to do some personal effects, as my friend John Salvatore would say, towards the end of the conversation. We're going to be talking about mental health and mental illness, which is why I said this is going to be heavy. And we're going to start with an article titled five ways you're shaming mental illness and may not know it i think that this is important not for people who are dealing with some type of mental illness but for people who aren't because speaking for myself and maybe for you too d we've all experienced someone being insensitive when it comes to mental illness i can think of an example of you know, trying to just give uh, an ex-boss of mine a little glimpse of what I'm dealing with, you know, like, you know, I'm dealing with depression, it's really kicking my ass, and I got the classic, you don't have a reason to be depressed, you have a good job, you have this, you have that, like, you don't have a reason to be depressed, and it's just, even though this was not someone that I'm close to, because I've had someone, you know, close to me say that too, and it was really a punch in the gut, a slap in the face, but even like someone saying, I want to understand what you're trying to go through. And then when you tell them, they dismiss it like, well, you don't have a reason. Like, so I don't understand what you're saying. And it's like, why even volunteer if you're not going to try to understand? So using that as an example, I think that there are instances where you could come across as insensitive when it comes to someone dealing with mental illness and you don't realize it. So we're going to go through the five points of this article. 
and really get a little bit into it, peel back some of the layers. So it starts off saying the consequences of mental health stigma are extensive. It makes mental illness seem like a character flaw, which is totally untrue mm. and can prevent people from seeking support that could help them manage their condition. Ooh, a word. The worst part, people contribute to that stigma a lot more than they realize. Most well-meaning people don't purposefully act in a way that doesn't show compassion for the millions of people who have mental health disorders. But there are still some everyday behaviors that contribute to the negative stereotypes. Here are a few you should be mindful of, according to experts. So, the first one says casually throwing around terms like depressed or OCD. And I love that they're starting with this because it wasn't until I really started to understand and manage my condition that I realized how problematic throwing these terms around loosely. I think I've had the exact same um, uh, experience. Like you don't, you don't even realize that you contributed to like just the casual use of the word and kind of uh, kind of minimizing the um, the meaning until you realize like oh depressed and like i'm just sad and having a bad day they they're not synonymous exactly and it does diminish the power of the words and i think in turn it diminishes people's capacity to be compassionate right because if you think depression is nothing but sadness and it's something or i'm depressed because i couldn't get the the new iphone when i wanted it or i'm i'm depressed because of this i'm depressed because of something trivial then it takes away from me when I say I'm depressed and it's not because of something specific. It's because of an actual physical condition that I'm dealing with. It's like, but you don't see that because then that's when you get the, well, you don't have a reason to be depressed because to you and to people like this, what I'm saying, depression is not a big deal because it's something that you've trivialized through this language and you may not so it's realize something that it. you can just co- uh, you know sometimes uh it comes off as like oh well if i'm sad i can just go take a walk or i can just go right. do this or whatever and um if i'm just having a random you know just a bad day or i didn't get enough sleep that might um help but if i'm like literally whether it's clinically depressed or whatever like it's not that it's not that simple it's not like imagine telling somebody that literally has a voice in their head telling them that no one loves them. They're not worthy. They don't deserve to be amongst the living. Imagine telling someone dealing with that. Well, you just need to take a walk or you need to exercise. Like it's not that simple. Oh yeah. The you know exercise I mean? part definitely got me this year. Cause you know, I went from being like a, uh, running a whole lot to like this year, I haven't really been running. So it's just like, well, you like to run, go ahead and run. But it's, like, and that's what I'm like. Like I want to. Right. I'm saying. It's like it's not necessarily <laughs> that I don't have capable. the desire, but you may not have the energy to do it, or you may want to do it, but you know your your mind convinces you that it's not something you want to do anymore. Like it's way deeper than yeah. just a quick fix. And I'm not oh. saying that exercise and eating right can't help manage the 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 condition but it's not a fix and the way and it's not a um, switch that you can just flip on exactly exactly so it's i like that they pointed out the ocd part too because i know we've been talking and i think um in our general circles we've been more aware of depression but even something like the ocd is like um 
if you just happen to be kind of like a neat freak or you like keep a tidy house or you don't like people spilling things like that's trivializing like oh i'm so ocd about this well some people actually like have compulsive disorders that kind of like stop them dead in their tracks and like interrupt regular functions of life so like yeah don't like don't minimize don't yeah. minimize it it's not <laughs> it, it reminds me of people saying please don't say this this is a slur and i'm gonna say these but i don't mean any harm i just it's i don't know another way to say some of these mm -hmm. but it's like when people say don't say gypsy that's a slur right i right. saw that and i was like oh okay well i won't say gypsy when somebody I I points it out it's lot, like but... oh right so like now that i'm more aware of these it's like oh yeah like don't like just don't throw them around be more mindful. So i think we all yeah. could benefit from being more mindful and it's like, like you said, it's not as simple as just, well, I'm a, I'm a neat freak or anything like that. Like we're talking about conditions that need professionals to help manage and maybe even medication. Like it's, it, we have to be better with our language. So it says awareness of language is essential, according to Shari Harding, a mental health expert and a professor of nursing at Regis College in Massachusetts. She goes on to say, we are all guilty of being imprecise or hyperbolic at times, but it's important to avoid misusing language. And I think we pretty much broke that down already. Right. Words so, mean things. I mean, just apropos. <laughs> shout out to the read. <laughs> <laughs> right. Shout out, shout out to the read. Like, just right <laughs> on the nose. The next one says, blaming mental illness for every mass shooting. Ooh. Okay, we, we, we're taking it there. Let me uh, read these points and let's see yeah, how go we ahead. can do it. It says, drawing an oversimplified connection between mental health and mass shooting sends an inaccurate message about mental health disorders. People who live with mental health disorders are more likely to be victims of violent crimes than the ones committing them. Fewer than 5% of gun-related killings are committed by someone diagnosed with a mental illness, according to a 2015 study. I think we probably could go macro on this and say, honestly, blaming mental health or mental illnesses on a number of things are problematic right. in themselves because oftentimes... Number one, it's not the case. Number two, it's not even self-diagnosis. It's societal diagnosis. Like, right. oh, another mass killing? Well, he must have been depressed. He was a loner. He was this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, but what type of professional evaluations have been done? Like, you can't just say, well, he must have been depressed because he did this mass shooting. You know right. what I mean? Like, that's not how that works. And I think that it does add to the stigma in a way that it's kind of saying that, well, we're so unpredictable, we can't be managed, and you just never know what might happen when you're around someone who is dealing with a mental illness. And it's like, that's, again, not the case. Right. A lot of these mass shootings were done by people with an agenda. There, it wasn't because they were having some type of mental crisis. It was because they were racist. It's because right. they were bigots. So to throw that label on there, it does damage all of us, I think. But what do you think? I think it does that. And like, um, it not only like it, it, it makes it seem like the people who like having like, who haven't, who are experiencing those things and aren't that, uh, who don't do um, violent crimes, like 
well, at least I ain't, uh, you know, well, maybe I'm not that crazy. You know, I ain't, I don't want to shoot nobody or whatever, whatever. But it's like, well, that's because you're probably not the same person. <laughs> you probably don't, you're probably like not as like horrible of a person as those people. Right. So like, so it might have, I'm always wondering how like people who actually like have some disorders, like, well, look, I'm a good person. I'm whatever, whatever. I ain't never wanted to shoot nobody, but you extending sympathy to these people and like blaming it on their illness and like like i said it's not even the case but you just have a couple examples and stuff pushed in the media and it's like you know and it also has that thing of there's like no in between like even you quote unquote normal or like crazy like it's like even if some even if somebody with a mental illness does have some kind of violent or whatever episode there's a whole in between of people that are managing their diseases and going to work every day and functioning and just trying to manage and not um, necessarily like as worse off as somebody whose condition might be more severe. So it's like, mm. uh, and why, and, and we shouldn't only pay attention, even if man, even if mental health issues were to blame for mass uh, shootings or whatever other violent stuff, it's like, well, we also shouldn't only pay attention to it when those things happen. Exactly. Like, if that's the case, and if, if you truly if, believe that, the then why isn't there more advocating for more money to be put into mental health, uh, mental health and illnesses and research? making um therapy more accessible about to say the healthcare medication system. more accessible if you truly believe that mass shootings are due to mental illness why isn't anything being done mm. yeah. sip on that <laughs> the, the next one says referring to someone as psycho or crazy i think this i think this one is, might be the one that i that i might um overall in life have been like the most guilty of but they're like more aware of in the maybe probably like the last four or five years i think that this may also be another throwback to the first point about the importance of language but let's see what it says it's common for people to use phrases like these to insult someone they think did something wrong but such pejorative terms further perpetrates the inaccurate idea that people with mental illnesses should be ashamed or feared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People show mental health that stigma fear part is serious. by making inappropriate mm-hmm. comments about the illnesses that ravage the mind. Often they think these off the cuff remarks are harmless, but the reality is that they hurt those living with mental illnesses and their families and they increase the misperceptions about the illnesses. We see this happen frequently in politics, sports, and even among children. So, yeah. It's kind of like, I think we all kind of, um, as we kind of like unlearning some of these things, it kind of reminds me of like, when you think about like back to childhood or whatever, and it might have been like the old man or old lady down the street. And back then we might have been like, oh, that's just a crazy uh the psycho man at the corner da, 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 da. and then and when i'm thinking about some of the instances that happen with these kids i'm like oh this guy might have actually had some kind of mental illness that he was dealing with in the community just kind of like dismissed him 
or just called him a weirdo or something like that. Or they didn't, and they were just calling him crazy because he was weird. Right, right. (laughs) Those are not synonymous. Or or he didn't, and just because he was different, it was like, I'm just going to call him crazy. Yeah, I get that's definitely true. Yeah, it reminds me of like on Twitter when the the color or the the race wars start about black women and like Latinx women. And it's this whole thing about, about, oh, you know, they like, uh, they like us Latin women or they like us Spanish women, Hispanic women, because we're feisty. And then you got the the man, the men talking about how crazy black women. And it's just like all of this is very. I was about to say, as far as the gender stuff goes. Yeah. I've definitely been a victim of the, you trying to express yourself to a black guy. And I'm only saying black because that's just the guys who I date. But you're trying right. to express yourself. And you, I could be making a poignant argument or just stating. But I just get dismissed as, oh, you're crazy. And it's like, mm-hmm. and then it's like. Or you get gaslit. Or get gas. I'm going to say, or get mm-hmm. gaslit. Because it's like, oh, she must be crazy. And then years later when somebody acting like you are, are like you have a problem. Because why are you responding to it like that? It's like, because you know what you're doing. Like mm-hmm. you're trying to make me feel like. Like less than by caught like accusing me of being crazy and the first of all if I do have some kind of mental illness and there's nothing wrong with that but you're not about to just dismiss me and just say I'm crazy right like, so psycho whatever yeah because when you think about it it's insensitive to mm-hmm. try to attack someone's state of mind mm-hmm. because y'all are having some type of disagreement right oh because i must i must not be thinking clearly like i'm not thinking clearly because i'm crazy and that's why you can't get what i'm saying when oftentimes like i said it's gaslighting and it's usually you not crazy you spot on and the other person is trying to shirk accountability i like that um, trash (laughs) i was listening to um bomani's uh, interview recently and he kind of touched on he was talking to Ambassi, like I was telling you about that, and she was talking about the book that she wrote about mental health or whatever. And one of the things that he was asking about is like this term of, you know, he does sports or whatever, how they might be doing a sports show and something happened with an athlete. And he's just like, oh, that's crazy, whatever, whatever. And he was like how he didn't realize as much until recently how even though he knows what he means, how somebody else listening to him, especially with his platform, might not feel good about hearing him say stuff like that. So he exactly. was trying to like change his words and whatever, whatever. And I, and I was like, I, th- I think that's a, um, a good conversation for us to be a part of. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things where it's important to say that the word has meaning and it's had usage. This is one of these opportunities where we can grow because we have better verbiage for what we're trying mm-hmm. to say. You know, the language evolves. Right. You don't need to default to crazy because we have words that describe exactly what's going on. So, right. We got we got the words now (laughs) that might make somebody feel bad when you can just use the actual words. Like even me, I don't know if I've been cognizant of that really until you just said it, even though I did listen to that um, interview. But I was at work. So, shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But I, I even me, I think. I've been kind of saying something different. Like I've been saying wild because to me that is more accurate than crazy. Right. But now I'm even more so going to be hyper aware of eh, crazy is not really what I mean. It It's wild. It's out of control. Like I can think of different ways to say what I want to say. I it, And it's no 
no sweat on my back. It's, and the it's thing no is with the word crazy, even if you didn't mean it a certain way, because of the nature of language and community and the way things evolve in society, whether you like it or not, the word has taken on like a different definition. So um, you're going to be in the minority if you're just trying to be like, no, it don't mean that, whatever, whatever. No, the majority of the people use it this way. So the word has a different effect. So yeah. we can be more um, responsible. Yep. The next one says, labeling someone based on their illness. Ooh, important. Ooh, ooh. Think of it this way. You wouldn't call someone who has cancer a, quote, cancerous person. The same rules apply to someone experiencing a mental health condition. One of the most common accidents is avoiding use of the, per of the person first language, such as when people use terms like schizophrenic or borderline instead of saying person with schizophrenia or a person with borderline personality disorder. The former terms are stigmatizing because they reduce the whole person to a diagnostic label. I like this one. I don't know. Yeah. I've, I've heard it somewhere before and I, I don't have as much like uh, personal experience with it, but this is one of those things where when I read it, I'm like, Oh, that makes perfect sense. And that's, that's the easy thing to, yeah. To well, fix and be well well, I won't say easy, but it's like something to be more <laughs> mindful of. Like, yeah. okay. Yeah. It's kinda like as we learn in the different words around like uh, gender and stuff like that. It's like out my pause, like, hold up, am I saying this right? Let me reword it. Or let, or even ask the person that you're talking to or whatever, like, um, what I'm supposed to be saying. <laughs> like it's not it's okay. It's okay to yeah. have, like have a learning curve. I wanna be transparent on this one and say that I don't fully understand this, but it's not something that I need to die on the hill for. Okay. If, if it's better to say a person with schizophrenia rather than using it as like an adverb saying this person is schizophrenic, mm -hmm. that's fine. I think this one is one of those ones where like, um, I, I feel you exactly what you're saying. And I think it, it feels like one of those things where for a person um if you know somebody that's going through it or you're talking to somebody about it it's like probably some people some people might be okay with it some people might not be so it's like okay to be like whatever that person wants to be referred to as or exactly whatever you just go with what they want yeah. because people respect people <laughs> exactly that was the point i was making you don't have to fully understand it to respect it and you know make it a part of your everyday like a perfect example that you can apply this to in your everyday life is when it comes to trans people yep or people are at other at some other intersection within the community like just call them what they want to be called. Like it's really that simple. It's really that simple. <laughs> understand it to its fundamental core in order to respect what someone wants to be called. Plain and right. simple. So the last one says, judging or teasing someone displaying abnormal behavior. I think this is important. Yes. It says we see this a lot when people talk about celebrities. It's often considered Ooh. newsworthy when someone famous quote acts out either on social media or in real life, but that behavior could be indicative of a mental health issue. So this is kind of a double-edged sword to me because on the one hand, I agree with this. You want to be mindful and compassionate when you see someone displaying abnormal behavior because it's true that it might be the result of a mental health issue or some type of condition, 
But on the other hand, I don't really rock with trying to diagnose someone based on one glimpse of what's going on with them. So a celebrity acting out on social media or something like, I don't think it's fair for someone to even try to say, oh, well, they're doing, they may have a, a mental health issue. And it's like, they might, but who are you to diagnose that? It's right. like we, I think that there's a, a middle lane where right. we can be compassionate and we don't have to do this on either side. We don't have to dismiss the abnormal behavior as a mental health issue. And we also don't have to dismiss the fact that there could be a mental health issue because of the behavior, if that makes right. sense. No, I agree. And I think I think that's like a good um, middle ground to take, especially with celebrities. But I also think like um, even in our like regular everyday life, you probably can um, just be more mindful of this. Like you could have, you know, there have been times, especially I've seen amongst groups of um, male friends where like a friend was acting this and everybody's just kind of like joking him as like oh the crazy one or blah 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 whatever whatever and just totally kind of like dismissed his actions and or their actions um and then um your friend could possibly be like going through some shit like and you just mm-hmm. kind of like being dismissive like maybe as a friend, the be like, like ask a couple, ask a couple extra questions or whatever, whatever, and try to like be more compassionate in general. But um, it's harder to do, of course, with like celebrities because we don't know these niggas. But. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You only see what's being presented at that one time. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes with most celebrities. Right. Like even if we get more of a glimpse into their lives because of social media, we still don't know what's going on in the background. Right. So that's something to be mindful of. The article ends by saying the bottom line is that mental illness should be treated with the same sensitivity and understanding as any physical illness. Everyone is responsible for being aware of how they might be encouraging stigma and then course correcting. And I agree with that. I agree. I agree. So in an effort to continue to have these conversations and erase that stigma, we are going to get personal. But first, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Thank you for supporting the Flawless Noises Media Network. You can visit FlawlessNoises.com for more information on our other wonderful shows. You can also connect with us on social media. Search for at Flawless Noises on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Go to FlawlessNoises.com store if you're interested in purchasing some merchandise. And if you really love us and would like some bonus content, subscribe to our Patreon. With $5 and $10 subscription levels, you're bound to hear something you like. Go to Patreon.com slash FlawlessNoises for more details. We thank you for taking the time to listen to our shows and supporting your favorite hosts. Please feel free to share with your friends, family, co-workers, and more. Flawless Noises Media Network, get to know our sound. And now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Okay, so we're back from break. And like I said, we're going to get personal so that we can help to not only erase some of the stigma that is associated with mental illnesses, but also because we are both aware as podcasters, even if we are small fish in a pond, that being transparent about these types of things may help someone without us even knowing it. So 
I'm going to throw it to you, DeAsia, to talk about your decision to use some FMLA at work to help manage your current conditions that you're experiencing. Yes. So, um, what am I, you know, whatever I, the, today is like Sunday. I, as of Thursday, I've been on, um, taking some leave from work. I plan to be off for, um, a whole month to deal with some depression and, um, anxiety and just, just a overall, just kind of like have a break from my brain. Um, I think it's very important, especially being a black woman, <laughs> um, we know like some of the burdens of just being the most, like, just like the least valued um, uh, amongst like race and gender. And all that shit takes a toll on you. And nigga, I am tired. Like, I just, I kind of jokingly been telling people, like, my brain is broke, but bitch, it is. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's broke. And so I decided to, like, um, just like if I had a broken bone or some kind of physical thing that I needed to um, give my mental health that same, um, that same consideration. But it, it, it took me a, um, it took me a minute to get here and I think, but, um, but I think my resilience and stuff like that is kind of like, what kind of like pushed it kind of like to the side. So just a little bit of my background. Um, um, I'm just like from Baltimore. I grew up with drug addict parents. Um, I managed to still go to college. I'm the oldest out of three siblings. I'm the only girl. So I've always been kind of like a, a mother to my brothers and then dealing with, um, my mother's addiction, but kind of, kind of like co-parent my brothers, but still go to college, but still kind of like be a, um, I've been met battling this, uh, weird, um, juggling this weird, um, thing of being their sister and their mom, mother. And, um, I shouldn't have had to do that, but we just kind of did it out of necessity. You know what I'm saying? Like survival. Um, I've always been like the overachiever, valid Victorian, have a master's degree, a good job. So um, I've been with the government, my job for almost 10 years. And then so like in the last year or two, when I've been living on my own and on my fine auntie whole shit, in theory on paper, I should, I was kind of like, I should be happy. <laughs> I was kind of confused because it's like, oh, I've been living on my own. I'm starting to travel more. I don't have, I haven't worried about bills or whatever, but the brain has a way of um, protecting you. And so what I didn't realize is all these years, those achievements and those things that I had to do, those life things, since I had to focus on those things, I could sweep everything, whether consciously or unconsciously under the rug, the childhood traumas, the things that no kid should have to deal with, but I did deal with. And some of it, I just tucked to the side because I got to be, a sister, and then my mom passed away what, um, about seven years ago, and I just kind of tuck all those things to the side because I got to perform, I got to whatever, but it's almost like as soon as I got to a place where bills and other stuff wasn't an issue, and I'm thinking, oh, I should just be happy, all those things just started creeping to the surface, <laughs> and I didn't kind of know what was happening, like, I'm sad, um, um, well, maybe I just need a break from work, am I procrastinating, do I just not care? Um, the government was shut down in December. So I'm thinking like, all right, I'll just have a break off from work and I'll be refreshed when I get back to work. When I got back to work, I felt even worse than before. And I was like, something ain't right. So I, um, I just was like, not motivated. 
Um, I had a couple like family issues last year, um, like just trying to look out for my brothers, family members passing away, similar issues, kind of how my mom passed away, drugs and addiction and bad health. And I think my my brain was just starting to shut down. And so I went to, um, I said, let me, um, I got, um, I've been to therapy before, just only like for like my mother passed away, nothing serious. So I was like, let me just have enough sense of mind to realize like I'm tearful. I want to cry at work and I don't know what's happening. So let me have enough sense to make an appointment. And within like the first session, my therapist, a black woman that I love, um, was like, Demetria, these are signs of depression. And I just looked at her like, what? <laughs> what? But me just being um, um, the kind of person I am, it was like, all right, I'm depressed, but she told me I'm depressed and I can do these things and I can fix it. And I had to realize real quick that um, um, I couldn't treat my uh, my healing and my getting well like a college syllabus or a to-do list. Like I can't just like go down these lists of things to do and, I, and I'm just done. And that's how I've been operating all my life. Like oh, I'll just go to school. I'll just do this. I'll just do these things. But that's not the way your brain works. <laughs> and I learned that real quick. It's like, oh, I feel good, whatever, whatever. I didn't trick myself into thinking, oh, I'm good. I'm going to go on vacation. Come on vacation. I still feel like shit. And I'm thinking, it's like incremental getting better. I'm going to tell my boss, like, I'm not feeling well, whatever. I just need a day off here and there. So I started taking more random like days off. But it just wasn't like, it wasn't like, it was like, better but just not like better how I want it to be but at the same time I'm like well I don't know what the fuck this shit's supposed to look like and my um therapist had to just keep reminding me like um you can't just like check the box and like because you know in my mind I'm thinking well how long is this shit gonna take like do I got a month do I got two months you know what but then I was just like no I just need to chill so my regular self is kind of like um I'm pretty like bubbly and bright and like active, but I just needed less of all that. And I realized, I started to realize when I spent more time with myself and my thoughts that all that activity and hanging out with friends and doing all these things, all of that was blocking me from trying to um, spend more time with myself and uh, get to know what was really going on inside of me and kind of like talking to the childhood me. And there have been some really tough times <laughs> where I had this picture of me sitting here in my um, living room that um, is a picture of me when I was uh, maybe like six. It's like school pictures. And one day I'm just in here like looking at the picture and I'm just like trying to think what did that little girl think? And I'm just like feeling all these things and I'm just like crying and like, I'm sorry. I love you. We're going to fix it. I didn't realize that I've been ignoring you all this time. And I was just in here like, whoo, like it's hard because it's like, I'm used to having it. Um, for lack of better words, I'm just used to having it all together and like the not knowing is scary, but, um, having friends to like support and talk and realize like you ain't the only one or you just need to take your time or whatever. So, um, toward the end of the summer, um work I was just like work was just getting really hard like and I felt 
it's like a vicious cycle because I'm used to being like this high performing, high achieving, high overall person. And all of a sudden, um, I'm just starting to realize how depression and stuff can affect your cognitive skills. I'm an accountant with a master's degree. I'm good at my job. And all of a sudden, I'm like making the dumbest mistakes at work. And I'm not focusing and I'm just not, I'm just not present. It's taking everything in me to get to work. So by the time I got to work, I don't have the energy. And um, one of my friends, actually our, uh, my co-host um, on Bad Boozy Podcast, um, mentioned short-term disability. And I had um, thought about it before, but it's one of those things that I thought about it, but I just never wanted to say out loud because you kind of feel a little bit guilty that you need a break. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you feel guilty that you even need a break. Um, so, but then once she said it, I'm like, well, maybe she's right. And I just started looking up stuff at work and, um, like looking at what my job offers, the rules on FMLA and this, you know, with, um, the federal protections and all that other stuff and, um, mentioned it to like my union rep or whatever. And then, um, that same week at, uh, therapy, I had just had like a couple, a, a pretty depressive episode that week and my therapist suggests um she was like oh I think we should at this point I would suggest extended leave to my patients and it was something about her just saying that and kind of giving me the permission that was like oh thank god because I was thinking about taking off work and then she was like well that's probably what you need um um like some uninterrupted time of like just healing and being able to like dig deeper excuse me and not have to had the extra burden of performing at work and just the act when you depress like regular everyday tasks just seem like it just takes so much out of you. I'm like, um, I don't feel like washing clothes. Or I don't feel like washing the dishes and maybe I don't feel like brushing my teeth today or maybe, or, or I brush my teeth today and that's all I got. I don't feel like doing anything else. And, um, is it something about that that was just like, oh, this is, you're right, I should do this. And um, that same week at work, I mentioned it to a couple of coworkers that I'm close with. And somebody sent me this article, I think it was on um, the Exo Nicole blog. And it was like this blog of this black woman saying how she took two months of leave to um, deal with her mental health. And when I read it, it almost was like, bitch, did I write this? And then I was just like, it was just a bunch of little signs like that, like, it's okay. Um, I'm going to do it. I, I need this. And um, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a failure for taking off. If anything, um, when we talk about that strong black woman, at first I used to think I want to be strong no more, but then I realized this, this is strength. So I just filled out the papers. Um, I even felt guilty. It was so weird. Cause like, I felt a little guilty kind of like even filling out the papers, but it's like, I felt like I was doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing. But then when our medical review people was like, Oh no, they agree. And like sent it to my manager and it was approved. I was like, Oh shit. I even felt relief once it was granted, just knowing that in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be able to take off. Had a couple hiccups with my manager toward the end, like my last day at work. But that just proved to me that, I needed to take off because the bitch was being insensitive or whatever, but whatever I'm here. And I can honestly say I still got a few, I still got a few more weeks of being off, but even in the first two days, three days being off, people been like, uh, it looked like you glowing already. Cause my, my, my um, therapist told me I need to rest for my ancestors. And I'm trying to take that is literally 
and as seriously as I can and not fill my time with things, just kind of rest and move around as I can and then take some time to do little, little introspective things and kind of like, just be one with my damn self. So here I am <laughs> and I'm over here trying not to, um, put my friends and stuff and so supportive people online and whatever, whatever. And I just be kind of like sharing my story and, um, um, I'm happy to be able to talk with you and share. <laughs> and it's appreciated. It's, uh, I like that you were able to chronicle the whole journey because it could be that someone heard something and it applies to them and they didn't even realize it and they might perk up and be like, Oh, yeah, I think that's what, I think that's what's been, um, the mo- kind of like the most kind of like even reflecting on like the last year when you realize, Oh, when I was doing this, um, the depression probably started long before I realized it. And I might've thought, Oh, I'm just procrastinating at work. And it's kind of like back to that negative stigma or, um, the uh, thing of associate with mental illness with like a character flaw. So at some point I felt bad cause I'm like, damn, I just need to get off my phone or I need to just stop procrastinating. And I'm looking at myself bad, but not realizing there's a reason why I'm trying to distract myself or whatever. Like even when I tried to put my phone down, I'm staring at a, the screen and I look up and 10 minutes went by and I didn't do nothing. I'm like, what happened? And I'm realizing like, no, like something when stuff like that was like happening over a period of time i'm like oh no there's something else going on here <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> and i also want to say that i like that we had this because the timing so i was scrolling twitter Ooh. a little bit while you were telling your story okay and i saw a tweet that basically said depressing Depression is a choice, OCD is a choice, schizophrenia is a choice, so on and so on and so on. And all I could think while I was listening to you is, who would choose this? Who the fuck would choose this? (laughs) Who Who would choose choose this? (laughs) Who would choose to be on the brink of tears at work to the point where... The brink of tears. They have to take a month off to get their health right, to get their mind right. Recently, as two days before my my leave was about to start, I was sitting on my couch crying like, I don't want to go to work, but I'm just texting friends so I so that somebody could just tell me two more days, two more days. And I'm just like, all right, who I can do it. I can do it. Or even like, no, no, nobody would choose that. Especially if it's somebody who don't, I don't have like lifelong issues with this, but I have friends who have been like chronically depressed for 10, like been diagnosed like 10, 13 years or whatever. So for me, it was just like, Ooh, I don't know what's happened. This is new to me, but it's like, well, I was having fun just being that auntie out here having fun. I wouldn't choose. Well, why would I choose this? <laughs> no. So this goes with to say the the importance of the language, and, but I'm gonna add on to that and say the port the importance of minding your business and shutting up. Oh, and minding oh, your business very critical. So, I guess it's my turn now. Um. I want to say that it's about to get very personal for me. Um, I'm not going to promise that I won't get emotional while I'm talking about it. I may or may not. Okay. Um, I have struggled with whether or not to even share 
what I'm about to talk about. No one knows outside of my therapist. I haven't told anybody, but I think that it's important. And this episode was partially inspired because this past week on Thursday, October 10th, it was World Mental Health Day. The same day my FMLA started. I said, Listen. oh, this is a sign. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the same day when I when I saw that it was that day and I posted about it. I said, I have the perfect topic. It's been sitting in my outline queue forever. And I knew about your FMLA. So I was like, let me ask Dee if she wants to be on here. So um, I'm going to talk about this. And I, I hope that for me, it's some type of cathartic release. And even more so, though, I hope that someone hears this and it helps them, inspires them. If it's not something you're currently dealing with or something similar, maybe someone around you is and it'll help you be a little bit more sensitive and aware of what's going on. So as of a few weeks ago, because I have been in therapy, I talked about that. I found a new therapist. I've gone to him, I think, four times now. Um. I am sitting on the cusp of a new diagnosis in regards to my mental health. I was diagnosed with clinical depression quite a long time ago, technically back in college, but that was a whole situation, which I've talked about on the show, but in my adult life on my own with my own insurance, I've been in therapy and I have been diagnosed with clinical depression, but I've been seeing a new therapist and he is very, he's sharp. You know what I mean? Like he, he kind of cuts through a lot um, and it's taken some getting used to for me, but I have been very transparent with him because I'm like, what's the point of spending money and using this time going to a therapist and I'm not going to be open and transparent. How am I going to get better if I'm hiding stuff? Like that was the, conversation that I had with myself and I've been talking about everything my struggles my my appetite has been all over the place weight gain my feelings and my thoughts um just a quick synopsis of all the stuff and I don't even know if I got everything but just off the top of my head and the list that I made we're talking about lack of interest lack of energy trouble concentrating isolation, you know, I'll isolate myself, um, heightened levels of irritation. Like the past few weeks, every little thing has irritated me beyond belief. Um, feelings of worthlessness, uh, unworthiness, thoughts and wishes for things to end, not in a suicidal way, but sometimes you just like, man, I just wish that this was just not you know, and leave it at that. Um, significant lengths of time feeling down, literally always on the verge of tears and inability or unwillingness to get out of bed or leave the house for days at a time. Memory loss has been a big thing that I've been made aware of lately as well. So all of that is what I'm currently dealing with and more, you know, cause there's the negative self-talk and, just other physical properties of it all. And so 
all of this is in conjunction with physical health issues with, you know, my kidneys and things of that nature being looked into. So with all of these symptoms, my therapist is convinced that my depression is, you know, chemical like the previous diagnosis, but he thinks it's a little bit further than that. My therapist thinks that I'm suffering from bipolar two. And I want to talk about that a little bit because I've been doing my research. Bipolar 2 is not the same as bipolar disorder or bipolar 1, which is what people usually think when they hear bipolar. And that's when you have the extreme mood swings. The key difference between bipolar 1 and 2 is that bipolar 1 comes with manic episodes and may not include a depressive episode. And bipolar 2 is kind of like the opposite. It comes with the major depressive episodes that last at least two weeks, but not necessarily the manic high. So I'm more so on the bipolar 2 side because I don't have any manic highs, but I have some valley lows, you know, to say the least. And I've been dealing with this cycle of major depressive episodes lasted for weeks or sometimes months at a time for as long as I can remember. But I never really understood and I never really did the research to try to understand what it was that was happening. It was just kind of like something that I accepted. Like, I know at some point something... I'm going to have a thought on something that any other time would be trivial, but it's going to affect me in a way that I'm going to be in a downward spiral. And then who knows when I'm going to get out of that. So I've been actually dealing with that for the past few weeks. And like I said, on Thursday, I just kind of randomly in the middle of a conversation just came out of it. Like it literally felt like when you're in a room that's stuffy and you open the door, you walk through the door and the other side of the door is not stuffy, it's cool. Like it was like night and day. It was almost like a switch, like you were saying earlier, D. Like it literally felt like a switch in the middle of a conversation. And I really started thinking harder on bipolar too. I started doing more research and I started to realize that a lot of my symptoms do fall under that realm. Now, the onset is usually characterized by levels of irritability to the point where everything and everyone was getting on my nerves and pissing me off. So that was kind of what was really alarming, I guess, for my my therapist. He started putting the pieces together and was like, something something's not right. Um, but people need to be aware. So I wanted to be open and honest with the actual symptoms that I'm dealing with. And then just the shock of comparing the symptoms that I've been dealing with, with my research and seeing that it's almost like a mirror to what they say falls under the bi bipolar two umbrella. So um, it's exhausting to say the least, but you know, what can you do? I guess. So my therapist has referred me to a psychiatrist, but you know, when it rains, it pours. So of course the psychiatrist is booked for six weeks. So I can't get in to see the psychiatrist until the beginning of November. Luckily for me, I came out of this low. So I'm hoping that I'll be okay for the next, I don't know, 
seven to eight weeks, that'll give me time to hopefully see the psychiatrist. If I get on medication, that'll give me a month for the medication to kick in. But we'll see. It's hard to tie. It's not like I have a schedule for when these things happen. You know what I mean? Like it just, it just comes out of nowhere. Like someone comes in and turns the light switch off. Um, I will say that when my therapist brought this up, I had a hard time dealing with it because I already felt like I was dealing with so much. And this diagnosis on top of everything else just felt like it felt like the straw that was about to break the camel's back, really. But I've since kind of sat back and thought about it. And I'm thinking now, maybe this is just my lucid, logical mind, but I'm thinking now that this is a good thing. Because if you know what it is that you're trying to battle and what you're trying to fight, you can equip yourself correctly. If I continued with thinking and with the treatment for just depression, I may not get the help that I need. And the other thing that I think alerted my therapist is because he asked me if I had been on medication before in the past. And I told him that I had been. And I told him the medicines that I was on and told them that they didn't really have much of an effect. Like it was just like, I could have just been eating a bag of Skittles for all the good that the medicines did. I've even been on two medicines at one time, two antidepressants at one time and they didn't have any effect. So he was just kind of really thinking about that. So I I really kind of give him a shout out for having that thought because I've seen multiple therapists over the years and they've never brought this up as a even a possibility so that's one thing um i do have a fear that the diagnosis and the subsequent treatment may have some type of impact on my personality and that could just be the ignorance in me coming out but so often i've seen people and i've heard stories of people taking medication to treat mental illnesses like this and they not feeling anything or they being numb. So they don't want to take it. And I don't know what my journey is going to look like in treating this. If this is what it is that my therapist thinks it is. Like I said, I agree with his diagnosis, but it's up for, it's up to the psych psychiatrist to make the final determination but i will say that it's a risk that i'm willing to take in order to be able to function from day to day and if that does affect me in a way that affects my podcasting then that's going to be something that i look into but i will say as much as i love podcasting i will choose my well-being over the podcast like I don't live off of the podcast. it's not my job you know it's still a hobby for all intent and purposes so if that's the case and it's affecting me to the point where I'm not putting out the content or the quality of content that I think I'm or that I'm used to doing then I don't think that there's anything wrong with taking a step back and saying, you know what, this may not be something that I can do anymore, or at least, you know, maybe I need to take a break. Maybe I need podcast FMLA. I don't know, but 
it's just something in my mind because I tend to <laughs> be a I don't want to say a worrier, but I I tend to think of the worst case scenarios in a lot of instances in an effort to plan. Like I I'm I feel more confident in being able to handle situations if I'm able to kind of plan as much as possible. So I have to, you got to plan for the good and you got to plan for the bad. That's kind of where I am with it. But the reason I wanted to share this is of course, again, I hope to help continue to remove the stigma surrounding mental health and mental illnesses in general. I felt very embarrassed by this whole thing, to be honest. I don't really understand why I'm embarrassed by this, but it has been embarrassing to sit there and tell myself, you may be, uh, you may have bipolar too. I don't know what it is. Like depression was one thing, like being able to say, hey, I deal with depression. Like that's something that I've been able to do, but I don't know if it's the stigma around the word bipolar that has me nervous and embarrassed by this, but I'm trying to fight through that by being transparent with this whole thing. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say really quick before I wrap this up is this is not the time for any lame ass Gemini jokes about bipolar or anything like that. We're talking about a serious mental illness. We're talking about something that I in the past have lost a job from because I was not able to get out of bed and it's affecting me now where it's just, it's hard to get out of bed. It's hard to want to go to work and it's, it manifests in so many different ways. Like it's hard to concentrate and with everything else, like just, you know, if I catch a cold or something else, like everything in conjunction is it's difficult to manage. So I, I don't want to see anyone. And I hope even if you're thinking it, that you're thinking a different way about it. I don't want to have this trivialized by the whole, oh, you a Gemini, that's how y'all are. Like, no, that's not how this works. This is serious. Again, this is not something that I would ever choose for myself. Like, life is hard enough as a gay black man that I don't need to throw on literal mental illnesses on top of it. Like my family has fucked me up enough. I don't need to tack on anything extra, but here we are. This is what I'm dealing with. We are on a journey to improve our mental health. And I've been flirting with the idea of doing a blog or like a vlog talking about this journey, kind of chronicling it. I don't know if, I'm committed to doing that at this point, I guess. I mean, if you hear this and you've heard this episode and heard this story, this testimony, I guess, and you feel like that might be something that you're interested in, a blog or a, a vlog series from me talking about this and maybe other people, maybe I'll ask Dee if she wants to be involved too. If you're interested in that, I guess drop a line on the gram or the Facebook and email tweet, I guess, whatever. Um, and for all of my family in the LGBTQ community dealing with some type of mental illness, I see you. I am here with you. We are in this together. And I 
do this show and I've done this episode and I've been transparent about what I'm dealing with the way that I have been for all of us. And I think that's that on that. Miss Deja Ali. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, thanks for sharing. I just want to say I love you because I was just now sitting here. I'd be getting emotional too. But anyway. See, now you have to make I, it emotional. <laughs> I got through all of that without crying. Don't. But look, don't I did the same thing on my end. I was like, I was just fine by myself. But, you know, I'd be loving people. But um, I would definitely, um, if you decide to do anything ongoing, um, I would love to be a part of it. I'm happy that I can be an ally and share my story as a um, Black woman. I really love my therapist because she specializes in black women healing through intergenerational trauma. So I'm sure I'll have plenty more to share mm. <laughs> as I'm <laughs> as I'm going as I'm going through um my healing process as well. But um yeah. Uh hopefully um this is just the beginning of us getting better and shit. And hopefully I I'm, hopefully you feel a weight lifted now that you shared. <laughs> Cause I'm the opposite. I got a big, I got a big mouth. So I'm just like, I tell stuff, but I also do relate to that. Um, even with as much as I share, I do relate to that, um, somewhat embarrassed type of thing because I'm so used to being the one that quote unquote has it all together. And then I had to realize that, um, I need to take time to care for myself too. I can't care for everybody else. So yeah. It's a whole different level of stress that I don't know. I don't feel like I've ever had together. I've always been a mess. <laughs> but so look, um, different version is different is different uh, uh, versions of like a similar uh, similar journey. <laughs> true, true, true. Um, so again, I want to thank you for coming on to the show and telling your story, being transparent, and going through those points with me. Uh, let people know where they can find you and the boozy of the bad variety. <laughs> well, uh, you can find that and boozy podcast on Twitter and Instagram where we do most of our posting and on Facebook. Um, uh, you can find me at brains and buns on Twitter and Instagram as well. Um, I've been giving like little updates when I feel like it just, kind of like chronicling like what I'm doing and whether it's life and this therapy thing um I would be interested maybe we'll do that on the show talking about how like alcohol can play into this because I've been trying to like be uh as much as we like drink and talk about drinking I've been trying to like to not make that be like a problem but <laughs> at mm. the same time my wine is still gonna be my wine so I gotta find the right way to balance but anyway you can find me there send us messages you can email the show at badboozypodcast at gmail.com um if you wanted to share anything else with us so yep and make sure you hit that subscribe on soundcloud yes. or apple podcasts yeah listen the ladies to listen share. <laughs> support small grassroots black podcasts this one included thank you so much yes come on <laughs> 
All right, you guys, that's going to wrap this show up. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you again for listening. Remember, you can chime in at any time. If you have thoughts on what you've heard, go ahead and sound off. Use the hashtag GaySidePod when you're live tweeting or posting about the show so that everyone can see that. You can also send in letters, compliments, show topic ideas, stories, or whatever you may wish. I like to call it the gay side mail, all of which can be sent to gaysidestories at gmail.com. Please go ahead and do that. Also, go over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five star rating. And if you really love the show and want to show some support, leave a review five stars as well. And make sure you're sharing this show with other people. Word of mouth is still the best way for podcasts like this one to reach more ears and get a bigger audience so go ahead and tell someone that you love the podcast friend co-worker family whatever the case may be that is how we get more people to listen to these shows and you know what that's it love yourselves as always make sure you're protecting your walls or they will what crumble and i will be back next week